0: When I got my uh, truck license, yes, I can drive a truck, uh, I remember one of the things the instructor taught me was to look through the traffic. Um, so uh, when you have a heavy vehicle, uh, there's a danger that you don't anticipate uh, what's happening on the road in front of you, and uh, you, you rear-end someone, right? So heavy vehicles take a little bit longer to stop, to slow down. So um, what you try to do is learn to read uh, ahead and, and look ahead, uh, and then anticipate what's going to happen, and then uh, respond accordingly. Um, I also ride a motorbike, and I remember the closest I ever came to crashing into a serious crash on the bike was when I was looking ahead. Um, I used to drive down to Brisbane uh, once a week uh, for study, and I'd go down first thing in the morning, and traffic is terrible, so you buy a motorbike so you can. Um, ping everyone else off <laughs> right? <laughs> and go, go, uh, go down the center. And um, I, uh, I, we were merging onto the uh, motorway and I remember looking uh, about like 10 cars up and seeing uh, uh, how they were beginning to merge and where they were beginning to merge. And uh, I missed, uh, and it was, it was wet of course, it, was, um, it had rained uh, the night before the road was quite slippery, and I missed uh, the car that was just beside me on my left who quickly pulled in front of me. Um, and I, I sort of saw them right there, and then did this sick-ass slide. Uh, did a little S, and managed to stay upright uh, and and zip down the center lane while my heart just exploded out of my throat. <laughs> and I, uh, it was my pole, yeah, it was. I was terrified. I was honestly terrified because I missed what was right in front of me because I was looking uh, way down the road. Um, now, let me. Uh, let, I want to do an exercise uh, with you this morning, uh, and just to just to try and get it this a little bit more. Uh, I want you to consider what's changed. So we've all done this before. I want you to consider uh, what it is that's uh, changed. So uh, have a look and see. So you have a look here. You might notice uh, something. Maybe I'll give you five seconds on each each one, and then uh, I'll tell you two or three of the obvious ones, and then you can let me know what you think. So you've had time on this one. Okay, top in the center, you can see there's a slice uh, missing. See this? And down the bottom here, see this? And um, there's one for the... Oh, actually, I don't know where it is, I remember. There's supposed to be seven differences in this, but uh, I was trying to give you... Okay, yep, I'll just trust you on that one. All right. (laughs) Let's have a look. Okay, you've had some time. Did everyone get this obvious one here? Yeah, and then I think, I think there is a little. Um, just sorry, here's an advanced one. See that there? That one there. I think that's a pistachio. Okay, that's all we get there. All right, have a look here. What's different about this? So the little. This. This is all I can see on this one. There's a little uh, dot there. So that's all I can see. Yep, there's a missing donut, yeah, sometimes it's right in front of you, you don't see it. Alright, I think there's, uh, this one's for the ladies, because men don't know what they're looking at with this one, sort of staring at a bunch of random objects. All the men are saying, that's something you put into beer, and I'm not sure about, like, something else going on there. Uh, I don't actually know anything. Oh, here we go, right here. Hey, lemon, see, there we go, you guys are getting better at this. This one is um, chaos, yeah. The only thing here is this little light post. All right, last one. This one, oh, this will be the, yeah, we'll, we'll skip the next one. You guys see anything here? <laughs> Did everyone see the stem? Yeah, that's very good. I can hear you. And there's, um, there's like a, some celery and a, and a sort of gene- geneti- g- genetically modified celery on the other side <laughs> over there. And this one's impossible, so we'll, um, we'll just skip this one, but um, I think the only thing I could see was a little grain of bread right here, and no grain of bread there, so it's, this one's a joke. Uh, so, um, what, what changed? Well, what, what really changed uh, is that I don't wear glasses, and I, and I took one of my shoes off. All right, so I'm standing up here, and I'm—I'm. I'm, uh, a few things have changed, and perhaps for most of you, they happened right in front of you, but you didn't notice. Right? This is—well, these are technically my glasses, but I don't wear them. They—they—I think they have like zero prescription, and they make me tear whenever I wear them. So, uh, so anyway. But but what what changed? Right? I asked you the question: What changed? And uh, and that's probably. A uh, more significant change, because um, nothing really actually changed on screen, did you? I just showed you some photos, and you thought, "I know this game. This game is spot the difference, right?" So I'm going to jump right into that, and uh, I'm going I'm to see if I can uh, notice a distinction here. Um, An interesting exercise. Maybe you've heard of the saying, "Couldn't see the forest for all the trees." Um, this, you know, how many times in your life have you thought about that? Man, that was right in front of me the whole time. And I, and I missed the point. Uh, you know, the, uh, uh, dozens of movies made about this. Uh, we we've, um, haven't recently, but we watched a show called The Island uh, with Bear Grylls. And uh, you can learn a lot from that show. Uh, uh, I, would, I would highly recommend it. Bear Grylls takes um, a group of people to an island in the um, Pacific, uh, Pacific Ocean area, just an, an, an abandoned island, or not an abandoned island, uh, an uninhabited island, thank you um that's my uh, chief uh, writer uh he'll be up later uh but he takes a a group of uh, uh people to an un- un- uninhabited island to see if they can survive for five weeks um and he gives them a couple of knives and like a, a day of survival training beforehand um and uh, all hell breaks loose you know like as in they just people are getting sick and people are getting the the runs because they're not boiling their water properly and they're not eating food for like two weeks straight or they're eating clams and uh, it, time and time again, um, people get into conflict right? because they're a bit hungry and they're a bit tired and they slept on the sand in the rain <laughs> and they're covered in, in uh, uh, fly bites and, um, and they divide. They, they fight and they divide. There was one particular season where he took, um, I think it might have been a dozen high-income earners and then a dozen low-income earners and he put them on the same island. Just as a bit of an experiment. I wonder, I wonder what will happen um, and absolutely they divide and, and there's conflict and there's like you you posh jerks you know wouldn't know how to look after yourself like if you know if if I handed you a, a cheese platter um, and there's a bunch of conflict and and well they, they miss the point right they, they miss the point of the whole exercise the whole exercise is um, uh, we need to come together and survive the more we do things together the better off we're going to be. We're going to be able to build better shelter. We're going to be able to uh, sustain regular, clean, uh, uh, clean water. And we're going to be able to gather food better. Uh, and, and time and time again, they miss the point. And you know it. You know it going in. Uh, these guys are going to make a mess of this, right? And, uh, and, and it's, it's all lighthearted until it isn't, hey? Like, like it, it's, it's kind of funny. Like, it's funny to see someone walk into a post because they were looking at something else and then the poster's right there and just they smack their face right and that's hilarious and most of us will laugh at that and and a few of us will be judgmental on the people who laugh because we're really sympathetic but then we'll laugh afterwards anyway so at the end of the day we all end up laughing at that situation but it's funny until it's not and until you think about the times in your life when when um short-sightedness is actually it's created divisions and we've broken into tribes you know and we've separated ourselves from other people Um, I I wonder if you think about just our culture the world that we live in and and uh, think about the divides that we have Uh, think about a a few of these for example your views on climate change your stance on marriage your political party preference your choice of whiskey or rum that's a joke Okay, it's obviously alcohol or abstinence, right? Like th- think, about the, uh, think about your views, like your dietary position. Uh, these, these are things that when we focus in on them, um, we draw battle lines. And this is what's important to me. And you're actually on the other side of the fence, right? And when that becomes the thing that we fix our eyes on and we fix our attention on and our focus on, um, things can go wrong. And at, and at the heart of it. Uh, in our folly, um, we become short-sighted and we reject what is good and true for what is comfortable and preferred. Um, ultimately, we reject, ultimately, we reject the call of God at times for the sake of culture, tradition and personal preference. Um, you can open your, your Bible to Acts 11 and I'm going to read through uh, the next section there. If you don't have a Bible, there's a bunch up in the back uh, on on a table there you can use. All right, this is Acts 11, starting in verse 1. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter, He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord and how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. It's God's word to us today. Uh, let, me, let me just recap a, a couple of things before we dive uh, into this particular passage in Acts. Um, uh, this, this should be well, a well-worn path to us. The mission that God has been on uh, ever since the fall is the mission of restoring humanity to himself, Right? So we see in the Old Testament, God chooses a family line. He chooses uh, a people for himself and through, he chooses through them to bless the world. Listen to Genesis 12. And I will make of you, this is the call to Abram. This is Abraham, right? God, this is the, the, the father of the faith. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed, right? So the story of the Bible is I'm going to use this family to reach the world, right? I'm going to call a family unto myself and I'm going to to draw them apart and I'm going to use them to extend my blessing to the world. And that's the story of the Old Testament. And Israel does a fairly poor job of that, right? They, 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 um, they, uh, They sort of start walking in God's ways and they follow Him and they're faithful and then they stuff up. And they get, um, things fall apart, right? And, and there's just a cycle that happens over and over again throughout the Old Testament. Um, and, that, and that's the storyline of the Bible. We need to remember that really clearly, that the point was in the Old Testament, God is calling a family to, and, and He wants to use them to reach the world. That's the point. Um, and then we get into Acts, right? And, and Acts, even if we look at the, the picture throughout the book of Acts from the start um, at Pentecost uh, through to chapter 10 here, Acts up to this point has been the preparation for the same movement, right? The preparation for God's people going to the world. So remember the Feast of Pentecost? Um, I actually was fortunate enough to to, um, speak uh, a couple of months ago on on a section in that as well. Um, What happened at Pentecost is it was an annual feast and Jews from all over sort of the known empire, they gathered in Jerusalem. So God's people who had once been scattered... Because of the exile, right? The exile uh, drove them apart, um, would come back together uh, during this annual feast, this Jewish uh, celebration, and, and the tribes of Israel came back together. And, uh, and the picture uh, in Pentecost is a reunifying of God's people around Christ, right? That, that they, they, they're scattered and they're separated and God's people come back together and the Spirit is poured out on them. And, and, and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll get to what happens next in a second. But um, uh, well, we'll get to it now, actually. Stephen's persecution scatters them again, right? So in chapter 8, um, or, or just before chapter 8, Stephen gets persecuted, and, uh, and his persecution drives the Jews back out, right? So they come in, they receive the Spirit, they hear the good news of Christ. Christ is the, the uh, long-awaited Messiah. Christ is the one who will deliver you. And then persecution comes, and they get scattered back out. Um, And and Acts 8:1 says that they're scattered. uh, They were in Jerusalem, but they're scattered to Judea and Samaria. So, where do you remember those two regions from? Judea and Samaria. What? What's the? What? What? Like? What is that supposed to trigger in your mind? Um, Well, that's the Great Commission, right? If you if you remember the words of Christ to the disciples. Um, What what are the three sort of categories or regions that he gives to them? You'll be uh, my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And and what what is he saying there? He's saying the same thing that uh, God has been doing for all of history, right? He's saying the same thing that God's been doing all along. I'm going to choose for myself a people that I'm going to use to bless the world, right? And that's the movement in the start of Acts, it happens in Jerusalem, in, in, the, in God's holy place, right? In, in God's holy land. It extends to Judea and Samaria, north and south. And then persecution uh, happens. And it's just like, we're about to bust out. We're about to bust out uh, of these regions. Um, so then what happened in chapter 10, and, and this is just, uh, Jaden preached about this a couple of weeks ago, is a man, uh, a centurion called Cornelius, calls for Peter. and says, I've had this... Crazy vision, um, you. I think you've got something to say to me. Um, and Peter has a crazy vision too, and they're like, "Wow, that something's going on here." And and Peter shares the gospel with him, uh, and uh, and he and his household are saved. Um, now, now the interesting thing, a couple of things to note about uh, that story is um, there's a, there's a, some incredible little pictures there. This is a centurion, uh, a centurion. So on one hand. They represent the rule of Rome over the Jews. So uh, while he's painted in quite a positive light, and while most centurions are painted in quite a positive light in the New Testament, um, the Jews actually don't really like them, right? Because they are a figure of Rome's rule uh, and, and um, their governance over the Jewish people. And what, what did the Jews have in mind the whole time? That the Messiah was coming to overthrow the people that, that oppressed them and ruled over them. Um, so, uh, an, a fascinating um, development there that um, the gospel would come even to our enemies. Um, but one thing to note is that this, uh, they talk about this centurion as a God-fearing man. Um, so, uh, he's not quite a proselyte. Right? He's not quite um, in the fold, but he wasn't far off. So, chapter 11, what's happening now is, is as we lead up to chapter 15 is there's this bubbling of like, oh, I think, I think this is going to spill. I think the gospel is going to go beyond um, God's people, beyond the Jews. I think, I think it's going to be for everyone. And, and from chapter 10 to chapter 15, there's this wrestle. It's like, uh, I'm not so sure about this. Um, the Jews, God, God's uh, people, and, and the leaders in the church are wrestling with this um, reality. Um, so let's, let's dive into the text here and, and let's try and... Um I draw a little bit out of this. So I've got a... Um, have a look at this. Oh, here we go. Cool. Sorry. This One more thing to add to this, just before we dive into the text. This is um, a picture of the region um, in the Old Testament. This is, uh, this is where the tribes of Israel sort of had their um, uh, reasonable land and boundaries. So if you look right in the middle, you can see the dead... Uh, or not... sorry, if this main feature here is the Dead Sea. Um, and then you've sort of got the, the coastline here. And this... Uh, is the, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel. Look up the top here. This is Damascus, just to give you some um, context. Uh, Jerusalem's like right down in the middle here. Um, you can see. So have a look at this. This is Palestine in New Testament times. So same map, right? So Damascus. Um, and what I just talked about was, um, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and then Judea is this region, and Samaria, right? So up um, just north of Jerusalem and south of Judea. Um, so, so you can see the gospel starting to move out of Jerusalem. But, but keep in mind, what's happening here, this is still uh, uh, technically what the Jews would describe as the Holy Land. This is still a part of our territory, right? This is, um, this is our historical region. This is our land. Um, so the gospel at this point, up until chapter 11, hasn't... Um, really essentially gone out of that region. But what we see in chapter 11 is um, we hear a report from a church way up here, like way up out of this, out of the Holy Land, way up in Antioch. And that is just like, that's like, whoa, there's a lot uh, going on here uh, that we need, to, we need to think about. So let me, let me break down this, uh, these passages for you. Uh, what you'll see here in Acts 11 is you'll see two stories that follow a similar um, narrative thread so there's three uh, parts to each of the stories the first part is God's word spreads so in the start um, of the first story um, the, the um, apostles heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God um, they, they heard man um, it sounds like um, the Gentiles have received the word of God and the start of the story in uh, the second half down the bottom uh, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord so um, down the bottom here and what happens, God's word spreads, the church leaders investigate. So in the first story, and you remember it from a couple of weeks ago, um, Peter goes back to Jerusalem and the circumcision party, they, they criticize him. But what's going on? What's happened? Um, I need, I, we just need a little, little more details, a little more information, because we're not uh, entirely sure about this. And in the second story, um, it's a little more succinct. Um, the report of this came to the ears of the church and they sent Barnabas. <laughs> so... So there's not; it doesn't really outline as much of the conversation. And then, lastly, there's a response when they heard these things. So the circumcision party, um, uh, Peter delivers his; he tells his story for the third time again. Hey, here's what happens: I had this vision, and this happened, and then we, I explained it. And then, and then when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, "Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance." And the response in the second uh, component. Um, Barnabas goes up to Antioch when he came and saw the grace of God he was glad and he he exhorted them right so um, God's uh, word goes out the gospel goes out um, the the Jewish leaders uh, investigate it uh, and then uh, they respond um, with joy and with glorifying God Um, let's let's dive into this text a little bit what's the big problem Uh, what is the, the big obstacle here um, what's the problem? Diff, if you could just hit play on that slideshow again just to um, uh, have that black slide up. Um, the big problem that you'll notice uh, isn't as evident in the second story, but in the first story, um, the big problem is immediately after um, Peter goes to Jerusalem, the circumcision party, they come and they, they question him. And, and what do they say? Um, if you look, I can, uh, I can chuck it back. What do they say? You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now, for us, this uh, this just isn't um, this just doesn't seem to be a big deal. Um, okay, you ate with them. Good, like good man. So, like it seems like a really kind thing to do. You had a meal with someone. Probably had some some conversation. Uh, maybe I mean maybe you even shouted them. Like good on you, man. Like that's great. Um, But the accusation that that is um, uh, lodged against Peter here was that um, the primary primary problem wasn't his preaching to Gentiles, but his eating with them. Um, Eating with someone was a mark of acceptance and fellowship. You can't just go and eat with a Gentile because that would be saying that you accept them and that you are willing to fellowship with them. Uh, let me, let me, um, this might be a little bit hard for us to, to reckon with or to, to have in our mind, so we just spend a moment listening to what this uh, divide uh, was like, what the Jewish and Gentile divide was like. This is Edashim. He says, there was only one feeling common to all, high and low, rich and poor, learned and unlettered. it was that of intense hatred of the foreigner. Everywhere the foreigner was in sight, here's where the taxis levied the soldiery, the courts of ultimate appeal, the government. In Jerusalem, they hung over the temple as a guard in the fortress of Antonia and even kept in their custody the high priest's garments so that before officiating in the temple, he, he, he had actually always to apply for them to, to the procurator or his representative. They were only just more tolerable as being downright heathens than the Herodians who mingled Judaism with he, heathenism. And having sprung from foreign slaves, had arrogated to themselves the kingdom of the Mac- Maccabees. Listen to this. It was readily understood that every contact with heathenism and all aid to its rites should have been forbidden, and that in social intercourse, any Levitical defilement arising from the use of what was common or unclean was avoided. Um, and, and here's a couple of examples of that. It was unlawful for Jewish workmen to assist in anything that might be subservient either to heathen worship or heathen rule, including in the latter, the erection of courthouses and similar buildings. You, you can't associate with them. You can't support them by helping them build a courthouse. Are you crazy? But the separation went much beyond what ordinary minds might be prepared for. Milk drawn from a cow by heathen hands... Bread and oil prepared by them might indeed be sold to strangers, but not used by Israelites. No pious Jew would, of course, have sat down at the table of a Gentile. If a heathen were invited to a Jewish house, he might not be left alone in the room, else every article of food or drink on the table was henceforth to be regarded as unclean. If cooking utensils were brought of them, they had to be purified by fire or by water knives to be ground anew spits to be made red hot before use it was not lawful to let either house or field nor to sell cattle to a heathen any article however distantly connected with heathenism was to be destroyed you, can you see the significance of this divide like to, to the modern church it's just like what's the what's the big deal man like we've got we've got the new testament we've got the letters of paul and we're just like I mean, can we can we move past it? Like, are we good? Like that was back then, but to to, to the, the early church, this is a tremendous issue. It's a really really big deal, and and it and it's really hard, uh, or, or or it's just hard for them to wrestle with that reality. And that's what's happening in Acts, uh, sort of up here, up until the council in Jerusalem in Acts fifteen. They're wrestling with this reality um, of what it means uh, uh, for the gospel to go out. So when when you take a step back, you can see how the Jews had the temptation to reject God for their own traditions, their culture and their personal preference. Um, Yes, yes, God gave his people um, uh, uh, rules uh, and and, and rules for sacrifice and cleanliness rituals. um, But you have to remember the purpose, don't you? The purpose is, is so that they would remember what God is like. And his people would long to be holy like he's holy. In, in Acts, the, the church leaders were still wrestling with the reality of the Great Commission, and they and and they lost sight of what God had been doing for centuries. And and what you can see is they, they couldn't see the forest for the trees. Could they? They were still still like whoa, like caught off guard when they hear Gentiles receiving the gospel because tradition culture, and personal preference as a way of clouding gospel clarity. What's the, what's the gospel truth like in this setting here? The gospel truth is that Christ's love makes all people equal, regardless of ethnicity, gender, class, or economic status. Um, that The gospel that was so, um, so confronting to these people was that the gospel creates new people, who serve a new king and they live in a new kind of family. And that just, that just steamrolled right over the top of all of these traditions and practices that they'd uh, been following for, for uh, centuries. Um, the big picture um, was that God is building His church and, and He wants to use His church as a means of reaching the world. Um, so where's the challenge for us in this? Where's, where's the challenge uh, for us? We we know these like we know the New Testament reality, right? Like you might even be um, jumping to passages where Paul talks about um, uh, uh, Ephesians 2, right? Um, That he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two. In place of the Jews and the Gentiles, Christ has broken down the dividing wall and he's reconciled us. Right? You might be jumping straight to that, but I wonder if if you're just thinking about for yourself, what what do we um, draw from this? What do we draw from this um, tension here? Um, We miss the point when we make our faith about our tradition, our culture and our preferences. Now, ask yourself the question, which takes precedence, right? Which takes precedence, the, the gospel going out or the cultural norms that exist around what you can and can't say to an associate or an acquaintance? What takes precedence there for you? Well, You can't say that. We don't, no, we don't, no, we don't talk like that around here, right? Really? What, what, takes, what takes priority for you? The gospel going out or your, your like, uh, uh, cultural norms that you have in your mind about how you should talk to other people and, and, and how you should sort of play it safe conversationally and you've just got to sort of keep an eye out. What takes precedence there? What, what takes precedence? The gospel going out or the cultural norms of having a four-bed, two-bath, five-door, V8, two-week, six-digit lifestyle? Like, what's what's the priority in your mind? What's more important? Like, the cultural uh, uh, expectation there? Or the gospel of Christ going out? What takes precedence? The gospel going out, or how you feel on a given Sunday due to your preferences about what a service should look like? What's the priority? Like, what's more important to you at the moment? The gospel going out or, or, your, or your family traditions that don't allow room for a bigger church family? What's more important? How about the gospel going out or you preserving what's left of your carefully constructed self-image and your reputation? The, the, point, the point is, right, the point is this, the story of the Bible And in Acts here, the point is that the church is the means of God reaching the world. End of story. Right? Like just end of story. That's the point. And and are we missing the forest for the trees? Yeah, I think at times we are. I think uh, this is me. This This is me being like, no, but this is really important. Well, Matt, it's not actually that important. What's the point? The point is that me and you, we are the means of God reaching the world. That's the story of acts. It's us. It's it's us the church, his people. That's the point. And I wonder if that's been the thing at the front of you, at the front of your mind this week. When you think about the church family, when you think about your connection to it, what's the priority? What takes precedence? Is it the inconvenience? You know, is it the commitment? Is it I'm just I feel like I'm just giving a bit too much? It's just taxing. Right, I'm not saying that there aren't some genuine concerns there, but what's the what takes precedence for us? What's the point? Where do you need new eyes? Where where has tradition and culture and preference robbed you and other people of God's transforming power? Where are you blind to that? What are you preserving? Do you want to build a tribe here? Like, are are we trying to build a tribe here, or do we want to expand the family? Like, what, what are we about? Where, where are we preserving ourselves? You know, it's like the, the big picture is God's building His church either way. Are you coming? Like, you up for that? Are you, are, you gonna, are you keen to get on board with that? Because it's happening either way. And you can, uh, you can, you can sort of try and uh, preserve some traditions over here or, or you can maybe sacrifice some of those uh, for the big picture. Imagine for a second that someone real, real smelly was sitting in front of you right now. Now, that might be the case for some of you, so you might not have to imagine that, right? You're all sort of looking around. I mean, it's not me. It's, um, it's not me. Uh, imagine, imagine for a second that just someone just proper divisive, like the smell just divides you, like I'm falling apart, like, part, like I'm melting away. Just imagine, would, would you be offended or would you be glad? It sounds silly, right? But just think about the way, like where our minds sit, the, the, way we, uh, the way we move through church community. Would you be offended? Oh man, what are you talking about on the way home? Man, that was, whew, like, I, like I, I don't have any nose hairs. I'm going to need to get like hair growth formula, whatever the thing is old men put in their hair, like that, that thing, because I can't smell anymore. Or would you be glad? Would you be really glad that the gospel is going out? Have you ever said to someone else or thought in your mind, gee, I'm not really a fan of the music here. Or gee, it'd be nice if they served some decent morning tea. (laughs) Couldn't laugh about the first one. You can the second one. Or man, gee, you could really brush up his communication skills. Bro, he's making me tired. Like, hey, What's the priority? What takes precedence for you? What's the point? Are we missing the point? As God's people, do we miss the point? Do we get snagged? Like the kite snagged in a tree? I think we do. And I think we ought to examine what what are the snags for us? What are the traditions and the cultural norms and the personal preferences that are getting in the way of the gospel going out for us? As a, as a church community, but as us, as, as individuals, as families, what are the things that are snagging us? What are the things that we're just caught up on that the Holy Spirit just wants to really kindly and sternly say, you are missing the point. And, and if, you're not, if you're not saved here today, and you're like, well, none of this really applies to me, perhaps the obstacle for you is something that's largely irrelevant. Well, the church has double standards. Or I've been hurt by Christians before. It's like, you too? Really? Man, join the, join the club. And, and maybe for you, the obstacle uh, in, within, your, within your faith and the obstacle for you following Christ is something, where, is something that you're actually missing the point on. You're making something really big when that's actually not the point. The point is that Christ has come and He wants to rescue you from yourself and your sin. And you are lost without Him. Like, there is no hope outside of Him. Yeah, the church is a bit of a mess. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, yeah, hello. I mean, look, they got a guy with a ponytail up the front. I mean, heck, what is up? <laughs> like, this is Toowoomba, man. Like, we play it safe around here. But maybe, like, if you're not saved, maybe the obstacle is, is actually, the thing that's stopping you is actually something. That, it's, it's not the point. Yeah, it's probably valid, yeah. But that's not the point. Or if you are saved, but you're distant and you're disconnected, just just examine that. Just question it a bit. Just not so sure about this church thing. I mean, I'm just not so sure that we want to be a part of a community group. Sounds like a lot of commitment. Yeah, of course it is. (laughs) Seriously, of course it is. Are you kidding? Yeah. But what's the point? Is the point your personal preference and life looking just the way that you want it to? And you preserving your beautiful traditions and cultures? Or is the point God building His church and the gospel going out and His church being the means of reaching the world? I mean, if you look at the Bible, it's, it's, it's fairly evident, isn't it? It's just a just whole story. It's just, it's, just the one, it's just the whole thing, right? Like if you look at the Bible, you can't actually miss it. Because that's the whole story. Let's um let's not be a, a church family who prioritizes our culture, our traditions, and our preferences over the plan and mission of God. Let's be a, a church family that's really keen for the mission of God, that that responds uh, as do the the. People that, want, that criticized Peter at the start, but responds like this. They fell silent and they glorified God. Right? Like that, this is the ideal outcome. What's the ideal outcome? Is, you, is you, get your, you get your snag pointed out and you, man, you just, you take a moment and you just glorify God. Like that, what do we want to happen in community groups this week? That's what we want to see happen. We want to see people come to, to identify and to recognize where tradition and culture and preference is in the road and, and, to come to, and to come to grapple with that. And just, man, just be really thankful for God's grace in that and His renewal and, and His longing to lead us out of that towards Him. We're going to have the band come up. We're going to sing uh, together. And, and uh, I'd love us to look to God together. Um, what, what's the point? The point is that God has given you the Holy Spirit because you miss it, right? That, this isn't a surprise to God. It's not a surprise to Him that I would say, man, I just totally, I, just, I got so stuck on that and I totally missed this and I really missed out on a big opportunity here. That's not a surprise to God. Um, the point is, and, and, the, and the beauty of Acts is God has given us the Spirit. He's given us the Spirit um, because He knows that we're forgetful. He knows that we get short-sighted. He knows that we, uh, we get caught in this stuff and we miss the forest for the trees. So we look to God. We look to God and we look to His Spirit for His grace. So if, you're, if, you're, if you are not saved, then, then I'd, I'd, you, I would be encouraging you, ask God, um, to examine those obstacles, talk with someone. Just like put those put those obstacles out on the table, and allow someone enough time and space to just maybe unpack a bit of that. If you're saved, uh, then, then let's ask that question together, like as family, as brothers and sisters. Let's be honest with each other. What's what's getting in the road there? Looks like you're sort of in, in preservation mode there. It looks like you're sort of, um, yeah, you're not really willing to, to let go of that. And it, it looks like that might be in the road. There might be some really cool opportunities on the other side of that.